at heart. You just keep worshiping him because he will not forget you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you alone. He's got plans. Jody Hodge, he has got plans for you that you cannot imagine, Missy. You may be related to me, but the first time you stood up here and gave your testimony, it was like uh, a different person was standing up here and God is going to use you and you better quit letting the devil tell you that you're not good enough. You better quit letting the devil tell you that you're not worthy enough. Teddy Hodge, you listen to me too because you're our one. You are worthy. God has got plans and purposes for your heart. Don't you let anybody sway or tell you differently. Don't you give up. Don't you be right here one day and let the enemy make you say, don't you go up there and raise your hands. You're not worthy to do that. Uh-uh. You get up here and you do that every time because I've told you every time this girl has come up to the front with her hands raised, I see more people up here. You say, well, what's that got to do with that? It's got to do with the fact that there is something on her life that's a breaker. And whenever she gives into that and releases it and worships the Lord, it opens the door for other people to get what they need from God. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Do you hear what I'm telling you? This is not a one-time thing. God's got a plan and purpose for both of you. Do not let the enemy make you think you are unworthy. Who else needs to hear that this morning? You are not unworthy. You have not gone too far. There is nothing that any of you have done in your past that disqualifies you from worshiping Jesus, that disqualifies you from being used and being effective in the kingdom of God. There is nothing. If there were, I would not be standing here. I'm not the type of person that just tells you all I've done wrong. I can't. I, people do that, and that's fine. That's their business. I can't do that. I'm, I'm still ashamed. But I'm grateful. I know what he's done for me. I know where he's brought me from. I know what he's brought me through. And I promise you, this I do not take this for granted. I tell them all the time. I, when I get up here, I'm nervous. I got a million different things going on in my head. I have to rely on Jesus. So don't think this is easy. Don't think I'm trying to make it look easy. You know, I can like, hey, what's up? Make it look easy. But this is not easy for me. Because the enemy is constantly bombarding my head 
with memories, with pictures, with thoughts, things I did in my past that in the natural makes me unworthy to stand here and do this. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen? Because of the blood of Jesus, he makes us worthy. No matter what we've done, he makes us worthy. He makes us qualified because we don't do it in our own strength. This is not me trying to do this like Michelle. This is only through the power of the Holy Spirit because I'm not worthy enough to do this. I'm not worthy enough. But listen, He, He is worthy. He is worthy. So those prayers and praises that flow like incense up to the Father, I didn't forget where I was, thank you. Those prayers and praises, He's got them. He's never forgotten. The plans and purposes, He's never forgotten them. The plans and purposes, He's never forgotten them. The plans and purposes he has for you from the oldest to the youngest in there he has not forgotten miss chris he's still got plans for you miss glenn as he has still got plans for you tony all these guys in here he has got plans for you and if we would just give into that and worship and one day at a time just obey the lord whatever he has for me to do today i'm gonna trust him and i'm gonna obey him and then when you wake up tomorrow do it again and he will weave such a beautiful path to get you right where he wants you. We don't have to work hard at it. We just got to trust him. Amen. But he has not forgotten all those prayers, all these praises. Come on, let's sing it day and night. Day and night, Come on, that's your praises. That's your prayers. Come on, just lift them up. Come on, keep those prayers and praises going. Thank you. 
just lift your own song to him. If you can say it, you can sing it. Even if it's just Jesus, just say something. Lord, we worship you. This is a commitment that no matter what, all day, every day, we're just going to let those praises rise. We're just going to keep doing it. We're going to keep praising until we see the answers. You're our healer, 
our provider, our sustainer, our protector. God, you are. You said, I am that I am. When you said, I am, that encompasses anything we will ever need. And for that, God, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. There is no one like you, God. In heaven or earth, there is no one like you. You deserve our praise. You deserve a life lived in worship every day. God, you deserve it, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for the times I failed to live that life of worship consistently. Lord, I, I want to do better. I need to because you're worthy. You deserve the glory. You deserve the glory. we thank you for the encouragement of your word we thank you for the reminder that you have not forgotten us you have not every prayer we've ever prayed you have not forgotten but Lord help us not to forget how worthy you are and to stay grateful for everything that you do good to you? Are you grateful for who he is? Are you thankful for who he is this morning? Are you thankful that he does not forget you? He has never forgotten you. Every prayer is in that bowl. He has not forgotten you. He is so good. He is so good. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Amen. God is good, is he not? Yes, yes, yes. Has he blessed anybody in here? Let me see. Clap or raise your hand. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, God is good. And as again, part of our worship, we are going to transition into the offering time because you do know that God has blessed you with the ability to give. And we honor him. We worship him with the giving of our tithes and offerings. Do you know that's one of the only places in the Bible that God said, test me? 
test me and see if I will not provide for you. So as we get ready, prepare our hearts and minds as you prepare your offering, and we will come forth with our offering. Let's say the scripture up here. If you'll stand as we read the scripture. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. You can go ahead and bring your offering. Children's Church. Children's Church can be dismissed with Pastor Serena in the back, waving her hand. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Before we get into the word today, I want to honor someone real quick. Miss Shannon Fry, would you please stand up? Can we hear it from Ms. Shannon Fry and all her years of service as a nursery director? Thank you, Ms. Shannon. Louder. Come on, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Shannon. Thank you for your many years of diligence, hard work, and service in the nursery. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, as you know, this church is still transitioning, and we love Ms. Shannon and thank her so much for everything she has done for us. She's been a blessing to Crossroads for many years now. Um, I... Just got here from uh, preaching in Finley Park in the Real Church, so I'm a little drained both spiritually and from the heat right now. Uh, so actually, CE is CE in here? Where did he he head out? Uncle Mark, will you come pray for me, man? Will you come lay hands on pray for me, man? I'm I'm feeling uh, pretty drained right now, and I don't want to give y'all anything but my very best to the Holy Spirit. So, Church, I'll just pray with you. Extend your hands this way. Dear gracious and wonderful Heavenly Father, God, we just want to thank you. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this man of God. God, we thank you for the word that you've impacted inside of him that's been eating at his soul, Father God. And Lord, we know that that word will come forth, and it will be your word and not our word. I know that it will be your word that will come out, Father, and it will land on good soil and good ground and produce a good harvest. Father, we receive this word today. We receive the power of the Spirit, Father God. So, Father, strengthen him to this day, Father God. Let it not be his strength, but let it be by the Spirit of the Holy Ghost that resides inside of him. Let it strengthen him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. 
Father, let them be refreshed in you, Father God. And I pray and ask, oh Lord, that this word will go forth mightily, not just impacting this day, but impacting our community, impacting those around us and every person that we come in contact with because of the word that you've put inside of him. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, the experience this morning was, I mean, it was amazing. 30 people gave their heart to Jesus. So, I mean, it was, it, I, <laughs> I felt like I was living in the book of Acts, if that makes sense. Just the whole atmosphere, people just gathering, not, not in a building, not in what we would call a church, but just gathering, sitting on the lawn, sitting on the cement. It was, I mean, it was incredible. I was very humbled by the whole experience. Honestly, I, that's probably, I've, I've spoken at a lot of churches, I've preached in a lot of different places, but that's probably by far the highest honor I have received is to go take part because there are people so hungry for the gospel. You know, and just like, oh my gosh, I just, I felt like Jesus in that moment. I felt like I was anointed to take the good news to the poor in that moment. I felt like the Holy Spirit empowered me with anointing uh, for this morning, and now I'm uh, pretty drained. Um, but we are going to, I don't know if this would kind of be a working title for today, but we're still looking at the new covenant. I don't have a PowerPoint because I believe in this season it's more about the revelation we're receiving here, not just the knowledge we can retain here. And if you are taking notes, just letting the Holy Spirit speak to you. Uh, this, I would simply probably call this three ways. The new covenant is better than the old. Because for us to be the new covenant church that we're called to be, for us to be the people, Holy Spirit filled, leading our lives, living like Jesus people, we have to understand there's a distinction here between the old and the new, that we're called to live in the new. If this was just one running story, we wouldn't have the Old Testament and the New Testament in our Bibles. It would be the continual testament. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus wanted us to know there's a distinction here. There's a, there's a transformation into the new creation that can only take place through him and the way he intended for us to live. The old covenant served its purpose, but the old covenant was a shadow of better things to come. Hebrews 10.1, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. So what does that tell us? The old covenant was but a shadow of greater things to come. Who in here knows that? The old covenant was but a shadow of the greater things to come. I'm not negating that there was a purpose of the Old Testament. I'm not negating that the Old Testament and the Old Covenant was good. Of course it was good. It was ordained by God, and it served its purpose. So I know some of you are like, why is he hating on the Old Testament? No one's hating on the Old Testament. I just don't want you living there. Does that make sense? No one's hating on it. I just don't want you living under the law. I don't want you living under bondage. It served its purpose. It was ordained by God for the season of time that it was in. But now what I'm saying is that there's a better way and a better covenant established in Christ Jesus. So simply what I'm saying is that there's a better way than we have been living. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. It says this. I think they put the scriptures on the screen for you. But now he has obtained, speaking of Jesus, a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. For if, that, for if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. So what does this tell me? Jesus came to establish a better way. This is not Josiah Hodge's opinion and this is not my translation. This is the Holy Scriptures. Jesus came to ordain a better way. Way. Just like 
there will be a better way in the time to come of the new heavens and the new earth. God has continually throughout history shown his plan to redeem all things. That's always been his plan is to take us back to where we were in the beginning, the restored heaven and restored or to live with him. And so even what we're experiencing now, there's a better time coming than even what we experience in this moment. Who in here knows that there will be a day where there will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more ailments. There will be no more physical disabilities. There's a day coming when Jesus restores all things unto the Father and the cosmos are brought back into the family of God. What does that mean? That means all things will be restored in God. Colossians 1.20 tells us that through the blood of Jesus, God is restoring all things back into himself. So all things are being restored. There's a time coming that's even better than what we're experiencing now. And God gradually throughout history has shown us his plan of redemption, his progress of redemption for the earth. And so what I'm saying is this. We as the church are called to something better than they were called to in the past. And can I tell you, I experienced it this morning. My goodness, I just wish every single one of you could have been there with me just to see. I mean, y'all, this, um, you talk about real church. These people out here literally were doing drugs when I was walking up. And then they're on their knees crying because they have conviction from the Holy Spirit. Like, just talking about real people, real church, no games, no playing church. They're literally here because they have no other option but Jesus. Either Jesus is going to save them or they're literally going to die on the streets. And so talk about real. I'm just there in the midst of them humbled that these people would gather. Yo, there's like 130 people outside in the heat. And that is the better that Jesus came for. Real people, not, no longer playing the religious game, no longer stuck in religion, no longer looking apart or acting apart, just being real and accepting the real Jesus. And so today we're going to look at three ways the new covenant is better than the old and three ways I feel like we get stuck in the old and mix it with the new and I feel like everywhere I go, I'm just proclaiming freedom to people. I, I feel like a, I feel like a, a one-trick pony at this point where all I'm ever talking about is freedom because I'm living in the freedom that Christ died for. So how could I not speak of what I am experiencing? And number one is this. Number one, why the new covenant is better than the old is complete forgiveness of sins. Complete forgiveness of sins. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's stand up and read this one together because this is my largest passage of the day. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Starting in verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstools for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before this is the covenant that I make with them after those days says the Lord I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. You may sit down. That scripture tells us that these priests would what? They would stand when? Daily. They would stand daily sacrificing. They would stand daily in the temple doing the same sacrifices year after year, over and over. And what did it say? They could never take away sin. 
Never. These sacrifices, it wasn't even what God truly desired. This is why David writes, it's not sacrifice, but a broken and contrite heart, O God, is what you desire. And so they're doing these sacrifices over and over, which never do anything for them ever. They're continually covering, 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 because that's what was ordained for that point in time. It had to be paid for in blood. So their sins were never erased. It says year after year, they were doing the same thing, sacrificing the same things. You sinned, you got a calf or a lamb, you brought it to the priest, and then they they sacrificed them over and over. It was the same thing. And this is what these people lived in. They always had to look at their sin 24-7. Do we understand this? They were always sin conscious. Why? Because they always had to be thinking about what animal do I have to sacrifice next? Do you know that animals were their livelihood? So what were they always thinking about? Their sin. Why? Because there was nothing that could ever take it away. And they knew the next time they sinned, it would have to be another sacrifice. It was the same thing over and over and over. So in the old covenant, they continually had to look at their sins. And I believe what happens in the modern church is that we mix that concept with the modern day and instead of sacrifice, we just put in repentance. And so instead of just bringing animals, we bring, instead of a right contrite heart of God, I messed up. Father, thank you for your love. Father, thank you that you you sent your son to die and you move forward. We get stuck in that place of condemnation, constantly looking at our sin. The thing that causes you to live in sin is your sin consciousness. What does that mean? That means that you are constantly focused on your sin. Your consciousness is consumed by what you have done, not by what Jesus has done. And so instead of looking to the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ, and being in awe that you no longer have to live in a place of constantly sacrificing, instead of just accepting the free gift, we find ourselves stuck in a place of bondage, constantly repenting. What did I tell you last week? If we keep telling people to repent, they're just going to be dizzy because what does repentance mean? It means turn 180 degrees and understand that what you did was sin. How many times can you understand the same thing? And so I'm here to encourage you today that you don't have to beg God for forgiveness. Did you know that? You don't have to beg him. He already loves you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins. It doesn't say beg God for forgiveness. It doesn't even say repent. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But listen to this, and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. John's whole book of 1 John was love. Did you know everything he writes in that whole book is on love? And so what he's trying to say is stop acting like you're stuck here. Stop acting like you have to earn God's forgiveness. Jesus died so you could be forgiven. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. When Jesus died, where were all of your sins? In the future. So hear me out. If he's the sacrifice, it said Jesus gets the sacrifice once and forever. If Jesus was the sacrifice once and forever, it doesn't mean he's dying again. It doesn't mean he's dying for you again. It means that your sins were completely covered when he died back then. So now you don't have to beg or sacrifice God to forgive you. He has already forgiven you. Now live as a son and as a daughter. Those of us who had good parents growing up, I wanted to please my parents, not not because of earning anything, but because I wanted my parents to be proud of me. It was a place of love in my heart for my dad. I still want my dad to be proud of me. Who in here can agree? You had great parents, some of you not so much, but those of us who had great parents, you want them to be proud of you. It's the same thing with our father. I, I I don't stay away from sin because I'm scared of him. 
I'm drawn to a place of love that keeps me away from sin because I've seen a better way. A way that I don't have to earn my own salvation. A way where I don't have to earn my own forgiveness. I see the love of the Father and it's greater than anything I've tried in the past. So I'm learning a better way that I am completely forgiven in Christ Jesus. Do you know how liberating it is to simply confess your sin and to move on? How many of you sin and you hold on to it for like weeks? And you feel nauseous and you feel sick and you're like, oh, I can't spend time with God because now he's mad at me. And I just, I can't read my Bible. I can't pray because now God's mad at me because I sinned. Can I, can I encourage you and give you a word of advice? Get a journaling notebook, confess your sin, write it down, get it out of your head and move on. I see too many Christians, I mean, golly, walking in freedom for months. You slip up once and you're stuck back in the same cycle because you got caught up in the same condemnation you were freed from in Christ Jesus. So I'm telling you, write that stuff down, get it out of your head, get it out of your psyche and move forward with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is not mad at you. And guess what? He's not even mad at you for not coming to church. Does he want you at church? Of course he does. You grow here. You're edified here. But he doesn't hate you for not going to church. He doesn't kick you out of the family because you haven't been attending regularly. His love is not fickle. Romans 8 tells us that there is nothing that can take us out of the hand of the Father. That word says nothing, and he lists about 80 things that can't get you out of his hands. I promise you, you falling back a little bit and not coming to church does not make you lose your salvation. But he is calling you and drawing you near. Why? Because you're built up when you are with your brothers and sisters in the faith. This is supposed to be a security blanket for you. A safe place for you to be real and for you to be known. In a world that wants to break you down and tear you down, this is supposed to be a safe place for you to be built up and edified. And empowered to go forward. And so the fact of the matter is there's freedom. Why? Because Jesus already died for your sins. This whole philosophy of die daily, that's not even a thing, y'all. That is a misrepresentation of scripture. Paul said, I die daily. What he was actually saying was saying, I face death daily because I'm being persecuted for the gospel. Nowhere did he ever say, you got to keep dying. Why? Because you cannot die a better death than Jesus died. Do you understand on the cross, he said, it is finished. He died the perfect death. And the perfect death was the once for all sacrifice, all time. Do we die to ourselves? Yes, it says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Romans 6 says, how can those who have died with Christ now be enslaved to sin? Dead people can no longer sin. He's making the point that it's because Christ died, we now identify with the death of Jesus. Jesus does not want you to die for him. Jesus wants you to live for him. You cannot truly live until you understand the forgiveness and freedom you have in Jesus. Why? Because... (laughs) Sin consciousness always made me self-conscious. Listen to what I'm saying. My sin always made me look at myself. So therefore, I could not look at others and serve them because I was constantly looking at myself. I was constantly repenting to God. Oh, I messed up again. Oh, I messed up again. And instead of seeing the needs of my brothers and sisters, I was too focused on my own self. So sin consciousness actually makes us self-conscious in the fact that when we're so focused on what we've done in the past, we can't help people right now in the present. Nor can you help people in the future when you're stuck in the past. So the fact of the matter is you are completely forgiven. And I know for a fact some of you in here have held on for sins for so long. That is not, Jesus did not die so you would be stuck in your head for 20 years. You are literally already forgiven. I need some of you to hear this today because it will set you free. Someone like me who did everything except follow Jesus for years. This will set you free to know you are already forgiven. Now walk in his love and forgiveness. 
Galatians tells us this. It's the only thing that matters now is the new creation in Christ Jesus. What does that tell me? The past does not matter. The only thing that matters now is the new creation in Christ Jesus. Let go of the past and walk in the present. He said, it doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your nationality or ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. The only thing that matters now. So guess what? When your family brings up what you've done in the past, guess what you don't have to do? You do not have to listen to them. When your family brings up who you used to be and what you used to do, you do not have to listen to them. Why? Because the old man died a long time ago. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. But let me tell you something. The old man is going to stay and linger and try to pull you back into who you used to be. And you know, everyone knows this. Your family can trigger you back into the past quicker than anyone else can. You could be living for a year thinking, yes, I'm new, I'm different. You could get around that one family member. They could bring up those past memories and you could be acting the same way you did a year ago. But I'm here to tell you, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live that way anymore. You are completely forgiven in Christ Jesus. Stop mixing the new and the old and living the freedom that you were forgiven. Some of you aren't serving. Some of you are called to serve in this church, but you're not serving because you think, how could someone like me and the things I've done ever let me serve? Can I tell you, if you knew all the things I did, you would not want me to be your pastor most likely. I'm being completely honest with you. Why? Because I've done some bad stuff in the past. But the fact of the matter is none of that matters anymore. That's not who I am anymore. That was the old man. That old man was crucified with Christ upon the cross. I don't stand there anymore. That past, that history does, does no longer exist in Christ Jesus. My identity isn't even that of Josiah Hodges, of Jesus Christ now living within me, empowering me to do what I'm doing today. You are completely forgiven in Christ Jesus. The beauty of following Jesus, and this is why Scripture tells us to look unto Christ, is because when you look unto Christ, you're no longer looking at your own sin. Why? Because Jesus is far more beautiful. He's far better. He's, he's far more than anything we could ever imagine. And when you truly get a revelation of who Jesus is, you leave that sin consciousness behind. Why? Because you understand what he did was far greater than anything you could ever do. Jesus is more powerful than your sin. Jesus is more powerful than your flesh. And Jesus is more powerful than the systems of the world. That's why he died to set you free. Now we can look into Christ and not our past not our sin. We don't have to be stuck here anymore. And what I've noticed about walking with Jesus, truly looking unto him, is that my sin consciousness has started to dissolve. What does that mean? I sin way far less. Why? Because I'm not constantly looking at myself anymore. I'm looking unto Jesus. There is no sin in Jesus. There is only holiness and beauty in Jesus. So therefore, when I look to Jesus, what am I not looking at? I'm not looking at sin. So what am I not drawn towards? I'm not drawn to sin. Because what your mind focuses on the most is what? It's what you're going to do the most. It's what you're drawn to the most. And so in church, when we stand up here and yell, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, what is your mindset on? Sin. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I cannot do that. I got to stay away. And what happens the more you think about it? The more you do it. And so in church, instead of freeing people, we've actually put people in more bondage. We didn't preach. Jesus has set you free, so walk in freedom. We've just preached behavior change. Don't do that. Can I tell you, in your flesh, you will do just the thing you're not trying to do. This is why Paul wrote, in my flesh, I do the things I don't want to do, and I can't do the things I want to do. Why? Because your flesh is weak, and that's why Jesus had to come. Scripture tells us this. Scripture says, what we could not do in our flesh to free ourselves of sin, Jesus came in the form of man, took it upon himself, absorbed the sins of the world, and died upon the cross. Why? Because you could not. So stop trying to abstain from sin in your flesh. Look unto Jesus. 
I'm not here to teach any type of behavior change whatsoever. It's not even my business what you do. Did you know that? It's not my business what you do. It's my business to preach freedom. I'm not here to preach you to, to not do the things you used to do. I'm here to preach that there's a better way in Jesus. And that only through a revelation of who he is can he set you free. Why? Because if you're just following rules, you're a Pharisee. But if you follow Jesus, you're a disciple. I'm not here to create Pharisees. I'm here to create disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because disciples will live in the same condemnation. Why? Because there's no forgiveness of sins when you're a Pharisee. But when you're a follower of Jesus, there's freedom. Freedom reigns. So what we're trying to break through, this Old Testament mindset of mixing the two together. And listen, all of us have heard you're completely free. But how many of us actually live that way? How many of us actually lived you're completely forgiven? Why? Because you probably said something to your coworker last week that you still can't get out of your head. Why? Because we haven't come to terms that we're completely forgiven in Christ Jesus. Now maybe you need to go clear your conscience and apologize to that person instead of just holding on to it and letting it eat away at you. Why? Because that's, y'all, that's who Jesus is. He came to show us a better way. If you have destroyed relationships and you just can't release it, go back and try to make them better. You're a new person now. You're not stuck in the old ways. Do we see the difference here? There's a difference between messing up and being stuck in that mess up, and there's a difference between messing up, understanding I'm forgiven, than making things better. Do we see the difference here? Because you can mope and whine about your sin all day long, but what have you done in the power of the Spirit to mend things that you had broken? I don't know if anyone's receiving, but if not, that's for me. Let's look at number two. Number two of why the new covenant is better than the old. Well, this, this is it right here. and This is what I love about worship together. Did you know in the Old Testament, you could not enter the Holy of Holies? Only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies, and it was once a year. And y'all, sometimes these fools died in the Holy of Holies. Did you know they had to wear a bell on their garments because they might pass out dead? If they, if they did not repent of their sin and if they did not cleanse themselves, the high priest would literally die by walking in the presence of God. Why? Because he is holy. And when sin enters his presence, guess what happens? Sin dies in the presence of God. I need some of y'all to hear that. Sin dies in the presence of God. When you come up to this altar and worship, guess what happened to your sin? It dissolves in the presence of God. But the fact of the matter is these men would go into his presence, and if they did not properly cleanse themselves, guess what they would do? They would literally die the moment they stepped in. And so do you know how these people would know that these guys died? The bell stopped ringing. So they would pull them out by a rope that was attached to their foot. So not even what they would consider the most holy of individuals, according to the law, could even stand in the presence of God. So in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, you could not, normal people like you and I, we could not enter the presence of God. We could only hear the stories of what the high priests were telling us or what the priests were telling you. That's the Old Covenant. That's the way they had to live. Why? Because there was no forgiveness of sins yet in Christ Jesus. So we were stuck in our sin just covering over and over. But this is the beauty of the new covenant. This is by far the most amazing thing. We, instead of having to enter the temple, we are now the temple. Instead of having to be terrified to enter, we can now freely enter into the presence of God. This is the crazy thing. Not just corporately. They had to gather corporately to be in the presence of God. We can now be in our cars and the spirit of God can be inside of you working wonders inside of you. It's no longer confined to a building or a holy place. You are his building. You are his holy place. This is why 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20 says this. Do you not know that you are the temple of the holy, of the holy God? Bought with a price, you no longer belong to yourself. How many of us live our lives like we belong to ourselves? Do you understand when you get a revelation of you no longer belong to yourself, your whole life looks completely different. 
You no longer just work the job you hate for money. You no longer just do these things enslaved to the things of the world, the systems of the world. Why? Because he's called you to something greater. And the beauty of being the temple of the Holy Spirit, instead of the Spirit of God being confined to one place on the earth, everywhere you go, the Spirit of God is taken. But we can only truly live that way if we live in the revelation that now the Holy Spirit indwells inside of me. I've heard far too many churches and groups begging the Holy Spirit to come to their presence when the fact of the matter is he already resides inside of every single one of us. Did you know, listen, this is the coolest thing about when I preach because like people in the morning will be saying stuff that I'm like, that's literally what I'm preaching today. Why? Because through the Holy Spirit, we are all connected. Through the Holy Spirit of God, we are all one spirit with Christ Jesus, which means we all share the same spirit. So we don't have to beg God to come into our presence. We can constantly walk in his presence. His presence is never taken from us. We constantly walk in his presence every day of our lives. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. I want to actually read it. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You don't belong to yourself anymore. The thing about the temple of God is that in the Old old Covenant, they always had to cleanse it. There were always cleansing rituals. They always had to purify the temple. And that's the beauty of the complete forgiveness in Christ Jesus. You've already been cleansed. He said, those who are under my word, you have already been purified with living water. When we understand we are the temple, we understand we don't belong to ourselves, but we understand Christ already did the work to cleanse us to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now what do, we, what do we simply have to do? We don't have to do anything. We have to be. And I think that's the problem in the modern church is we don't know how to just be. Why? Because we, we, we rely on pastors to get a revelation for us instead of letting the Holy Spirit do it. Yo, there are Christians who've been in church 50 years and the Holy Spirit never gave them revelation because they thought only the pastor could get revelation. No, I'm not even here to tell you to do anything. I don't even care what you do at this point. I just want you to be. Because when you be, everything comes naturally. Hey, that rhymed. <laughs> Listen, and so I'm learning in my life, I don't even have a set schedule of like studying or anything anymore. I do it as the Holy Spirit tells me to. I'm just being his temple. And what happens in his temple? He resides in his temple. His voice is heard in his temple. His power is present in his temple. His power flows through his temple to the people. And so instead of doing, I am learning to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm learning what it means that I don't actually belong to myself anymore. It's not dependent on me to succeed. It's not dependent upon me to be clean. I simply have to rely on the Holy Spirit to do his work. Just as they cleansed the temple in the Old Testament with all the different covenants, uh, Scripture just told us through the sacrifice of Jesus, believers are cleansed and perfected forever, those who, are being, those who are being sanctified. So Jesus is the one doing the work inside of me where I don't even have to sit down, okay, I'm going to read my Bible for 30 minutes and I'm going to be clean. Me and Pastor Charlie joke about this. We used to just read the Bible to like fulfill a quota and we'd wake up the next morning and not remember one thing we read. We wasted, we just wasted 30 minutes instead of actually doing something. Y'all, the Holy Spirit has been giving me sermons when I'm just walking down the road. He gives me more now than I ever had in hours and hours and hours of study. Do you know how many hours I actually spend putting together sermons now? Like 30 minutes. Why? Because I'm not focused on doing or preparing. I'm focused on being. And the Holy Spirit has something he wants to say to us today. 
So instead of relying on myself to build up, to create, to be, to be magnified in the, in the minds of people with great sermon and sermonizing, I'm just relying on the Holy Spirit to let me be. Just let me be. Just let me be your temple. Just let me be your son. Just let me be this person you made me to be, not who I was striving to be. Why? Because striving is exhausting and it always leads you in a circle. Striving, you can never break free of striving unless you let the Holy Spirit work in your heart and set you free. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This was not a possibility before Jesus. We have got to understand this is why Jesus is such a better way, such a better covenant, such a better future in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you could not even enter the temple if you were a normal person, nevertheless into the throne of grace. Do you understand? This is saying that through Christ Jesus, you can literally enter the throne room of God. Who in here is a high priest? Who in here has followed the law a million times? Uh, I'm not. I'm simply a son. And guess what? <laughs> being a son is far more privileged than being a priest. So when y'all look to me like you're a holy man, I'm like, no, I am not your holy man. You're a daughter and a son just like I'm a son. You, you have as much right to the father as I have to the father. You can go into his presence just as I can go into his presence. You can be loved by him just like I can be loved by him. I'm not at a distance. I'm not at a distance closer. Scripture tells us that through the blood of Christ, we are as close to him as we will ever be. There's just revelation that comes with that. So some of us may live in deeper revelation, but no one lives closer. Some of y'all need to get that because we compare ourselves far too often in the Christian church thinking some people are more holier than others. No, no one is more holier than anyone. No one is holy. Only Christ Jesus is holy. The only holy man to ever walk this earth was Christ Jesus. None of us are better than anybody else. And guess what? You have as much access to the Father as I do. See, there's freedom in being. Because if this was a holiness contest, a lot of y'all probably read the Bible a lot more than I do. A lot of y'all probably spend a lot more time in your prayer closet than I do. So in fact, if it was a holiness contest according to the law, a lot of y'all are probably a lot more holy than your own preacher is. Why? Because I'm not focused on doing it. I'm not focused on checking off boxes. Man, I'm in the streets. Everywhere I go, I'm ministering to somebody. Man, I'm going to tell you what. I, whew, Lord Jesus, in these past couple months, my ministry has been far more effective than anything else I have ever done. Because now, instead of setting an agenda, okay, I used to make plans, right? All right, I'm going to go and I'm going to minister to this many people. And then what happens when I don't? I'm stuck back in that place of religion, and I think to myself, I'm not good enough. I failed God. I failed God. Oh, I failed God. Instead of now, I just say, Holy Spirit, while I'm in this store, if there's someone that needs you, just show me. And guess what I do? I speak to that person. Man, there's so much freedom in just being a son, just being a daughter, being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because some of you think if you miss church, you miss God. I'm dead serious. Some of y'all think if you miss church, there's no way God can talk to you. There's no way God can be with you. 
He is inside of you. You are a son. You are a daughter, completely forgiven, completely cleansed, now walking, talking temples of the Holy Spirit. And this is the problem in the modern church. We think that this building is the holy place and nothing can happen outside of it. This is why our impactful nature dies when we leave this church. Why? Because you think only the glory and might of God can be shown in this building. This isn't even the church. You are. God was specific to remove buildings and instill it in people. Why? Buildings cannot move. People can. So everywhere you go, if you live as the temple, understanding who you are, you are establishing the kingdom of God every place your foot treads. Y'all, I do crazy stuff now. When I, even when I'm walking through the grocery store, I pray that each step I took is a place that someone experiences the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we see in the book of Acts that Paul literally, his garments, y'all, crazy stuff. Like, stuff that scripture says was like, this was not common. This was just a crazy move of God. Paul's handkerchief was healing people. His shadow was passing over people, and the Holy Spirit was raising people who were lame and deaf and blind. That Holy Spirit is still the same Holy Spirit today. He has not left. So literally, when I'm walking through the grocery store, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, let every place that my foot treads be a place someone experiences your Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit does the drawing. It's not even me. That's why, instead of just, listen, Jesus was very specific. He said, don't even waste your pearls on swine. He says, don't waste your time. Why did he say that? He's saying, follow the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will show you who's ready. Because not everyone's ready to accept the gospel. Scripture tells us that the gospel is foolishness to the majority of the world. And it's the scent of death. You think people are drawn to the scent of death? Has anyone in here ever smelt death? I have. It's horrible. Y'all, I, I, I'm not even going to talk about that story. That's crazy. Um, but listen, I've smelt death, and I did not want to go anywhere near it. And so for those who are not ready to receive the gospel, they're going to be appalled by who you are and what you say. They're not ready to receive. This is why intentionality is so important to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he will guide you to those who are ready. How many of you here has been discouraged because you tried to share the gospel and it went horribly? But how many of you tried to share the gospel out of your own flesh? That person probably was just not ready to receive. That's why through the Holy Spirit, when I enter these places, y'all, I have not, listen, since I've started following the Holy Spirit, I have not been rejected one time. I have been doing ministry for years, going up to random people. They're like, no, we don't want to hear that. Y'all, in the past six months, since truly just being like, Holy Spirit, I can't do this anymore. It's got to be you. I have not been rejected one time with the gospel. It's not a good job to me, Miss Jackie. This has nothing to do with me. It's the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's the one who prepares the heart, and he's the one that leads his sons and daughters. That's what happens when we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's the one making the calls. The one running the temple made the calls on the temple. I no longer belong to myself. Jesus, he runs this temple. When we get this revelation, let's let's look at Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How beautiful is that? That through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be wholly purified to enter the holiest of holies. I don't... 
we in church, we, we, we've mixed, we've never been taught, so we mix the old with the new that we don't even understand how incredibly revolutionary this is for the people of God, for a Jewish people raised before Jesus, because this was established after the death of Christ. The death of Christ established the new covenant. If you grew up as a child in the Jewish tradition, you would have never entered the holies of holies in your wildest of dreams. It would have never happened. But now for him, the writer of Hebrews, to write to you, to write a letter to your church, just imagine thinking this in your mind. You received this letter. The pastor of the house church is reading you what this person wrote to you. And you are now reading through the blood of Jesus. I can now enter the holiest of holies. That would have been so revolutionary, it would have terrified them. But to us, we take it for granted. Oh, we, we, yeah, we, we're in the presence of God. Great. So what? So, so whatsoever. And then we leave and we do the same thing. Why? Because we have not had a revelation of what this means to enter the Holy of Holies. This is why we're so off and on, so off and on. We get a glimpse of the glory of God. We're hot. It dwindles down because life gets hard and then we're back in this place that's cold. So the fact of the matter is my prayer for you has not been for you to even know more. My prayer for you has been for revelation. Why? Because this is what sets you free. Understanding that only through the blood of Jesus can we be set free, but not just that. It's now you can be and you can freely enter in because of what Jesus did. Not because of who you are, not because of how, not because of how good you were this week. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the blood of Christ. So not only are we completely forgiven, we are now a cleansed whole temple that Christ wants to use for his glory. And number three is this. Number three is this. Why three ways the... New covenant is better than the old covenant. Number three is this. While in the old covenant, the law was written on tablets of stone and the law was written on paper, the beauty of it now is that we are the living letters of God to the world. The word of God was simply on tablets, on stone, written down, archived, and so only the priest could read it. And so it was distanced from the people. The law of God was distanced. It was on tablets. It was on stone and this paper. But now... (laughs) This is so crazy to me. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 2 tell us that Jesus is the what? The word of God. He's the logos of God. He was with God in the beginning. He is God. Where does Jesus now live? Inside of us. The literal word of God now lives within you. If the Bible was taken away from us forever, if we never had one verse of scripture again, we would thrive and we would be okay because we no longer have to depend on the written word. The literal word now lives within you. You are a literal, walking, talking, living letter of God to the world. So let me ask you a question. Knowing that now it's been written inside of our hearts through the Holy Spirit, can the world actually read love inside of you? If we are the living letters of God, which means this, people are reading you far before they'll ever read the Bible. People are reading you far before they'll ever step foot in a church because they want to see what can I read from this letter. Is your letter showing the love of God? Why? Because that's why you're a letter. The whole point of Jesus coming was because God so loved the world. We as a people are meant to serve in love and humility. This has nothing to do with with any of us. The literal word of God lives inside of us. Now that will be revolutionary for some of you when you understand Jesus is the word of God. When God spoke, Jesus then created the world. He is the word of God. And now that very living word lives where? Inside of us. 
So the fact of the matter is when you understand that <laughs> just being is enough. And some people say, well, yeah, well, you're just looking for goodness inside of yourself. No, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying it's Jesus inside of us that changes everything. And instead of you trying to be good enough for God, instead of you trying to be loved by God, you are already loved by God. Did you know scripture says that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He has always loved you. He will always love you. He doesn't send anyone to hell. By our own decision of accepting Jesus or not, we sin ourselves. Hell was not created for human beings. Hell was created for Lucifer and the angels who fell. It wasn't even created for us. He has always loved humanity. Even if you do not follow Jesus, you are still a son and daughter of God created in his image. You just choose whether or not to walk in that identity. Now that is freeing knowing that now I can love everyone no matter what they look like, no matter what they think like. Why? Because we are all made in the image of God. So my question to you is, what does your letter say? This is for you to think through. Now knowing you are the living letter of God, that everywhere you go, you are the word of God to those around you, what does your letter say? This is why, so this is why scripture says, be careful, be careful how you conduct yourselves amongst outsiders. And he says that the time is running short. Let all of your words be seasoned with grace and mercy. Why? Because you literally may be the only thing anyone ever sees of God. This is why it's so important that even when our family wears on our last nerve, even when our coworkers will not leave us alone, even that person you cannot stand, what does your letter say to them? Why? Because they're then going to reflect that onto God. If you reject them because you cannot stand them, you know what their mindset's going to be? Oh, that person follows Jesus. Jesus must not want me either. This is why it's so important how we conduct ourselves. And this is why revelation will take us a place head knowledge never will. I can tell you, you are a living letter of God. But until you let God put that inside of you, you will never truly walk that way. And my whole point of preaching freedom everywhere I go is because I'm tired of seeing Christians live in bondage that you have already been freed from. Galatians 5.1 says this, you have been free. Do not return again to an entanglement of bondage. Did you know you're free? Even if you're currently entangled in bondage, you're actually free. It's going to mess some of y'all up. Some of you, I can't stop looking at, I can't stop looking at pornography. I can't stop cussing. I, I can't stop, I can't stop. Why? It's because you're currently entangled. But guess who can untangle you? Jesus Christ. And so even when we as Christians, when we as believers are living in a season of sin, you're actually not even a sinner. You're a saint entangled in sin. And this is where the difference comes into play. If you label yourself as a sinner, how will you live? As a sinner. If you label yourself a saint, guess what you're going to be able to work yourself out of through the Holy Spirit? Out of sin. Why? Because I no longer belong to this group. I'm now a saint in Christ Jesus. So the fact of the matter is the majority of you work in secular fields. Majority of you are working amongst non-believers. You have more contact with non-believers than I currently do in this season. And so what I'm telling you is, please, in your quiet time this week, let the Holy Spirit burst something new inside of you. Let, let, let him teach you what it means to be his letter. Listen, let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? This is Paul. Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Listen, verse 2. You are our epistles written in our hearts, 
known and read by all men. What does that say? Paul is saying, I don't have to write to you about myself anymore. You are literally what has come from my ministry. You have been birthed through the Spirit, and now all people can see the work that I've done. Paul says, you don't need my resume. You don't need it. Why? Because look at the goodness inside of you. Look at what the Holy Spirit has birthed inside of you. You are the letter for all people to read. He said, you are our letters of commendation. It's no longer on the physical parchment. It's in the heart. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. Do you, if first, for us to be the church Christ is calling us to, we first have to even understand who we are. Number one, the new covenant is better because you are completely forgiven in Christ Jesus, completely forgiven. If you have sinned, confess and move on. Guess what? If you fall, get back up. You do not have to stay there. You do not have to stay on the floor. This is not life alert, man. I'm telling you. You don't got to say, life alert, I can't get up. No, you can get up. Through the power of the Spirit, you can get off the ground and move forward. Confess and move on. You are already forgiven. Just bask in what that means that Christ loved you so much that he died for you, not just, not just for one sin, but for all eternity. He died and cleansed you with his blood. Number two is this. You are the literal temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to beg him for his presence. You don't have to spend 10 years in the prayer closet just to get closer to him. His spirit literally resides inside of you. You are as close as you will ever be. You can freely run into the presence of Christ where there is grace and mercy for everything you will ever face. And number three is you are living letters of God. What are people reading from your life? Can they see? If we're claiming Christ loves us and we're claiming the love of Christ, do they see the love of Christ? If we're claiming there's freedom in Jesus, are we walking in the freedom of Jesus? If we claim there's forgiveness in Jesus, do we walk in freedom because of his forgiveness? Are we walking? Can people read what we're claiming? I've heard people claim things about books, and then I read the book and realized the book said nothing like they claimed it to say. The fact of the matter is, are you claiming things your letter does not say? So why are these better ways? Because in the old covenant, you can never be fully forgiven. The same sacrifice were, were uh, sacrificed daily at the altar, but now you can be completely free. One sacrifice of all time, and it had nothing to do with you. Number two is the reason it's better is because in the old covenant, you could not enter the presence of God. How many of here besides me takes for granted the presence of God? Oh, I'm, I'm the only one that takes it for granted? I think all of us at some point have taken it for granted that we can come and bask in the glory of his presence. So now we can literally walk in that glory every day of our lives. And number three is this, where the law used to be written on stone tablets, now it's written on your heart. You were set free from religion. You can now be the love of God to those around you. Will you please stand with me? Would you please raise your hands to heaven if you are willing to receive? Holy Spirit, as we lay the groundwork for this next season of ministry at Crossroads, I just pray that through everything I say, while it may not be a shout-me-down message, I pray that people are just receiving revelation through you, not even anything because of me. But Holy Spirit, these things I've said today, that the people, once they leave this building, they truly walk as the church, that we walk as a people who are completely forgiven in Christ Jesus. 
that we walk as living, talking temples of the Holy Spirit, blessing everyone around us with the presence of the Holy Father. And Father, I pray that when we leave this place, if there was anything written in our letters that did not look like you, Father, I pray you erase it and write beautiful things in our letters, Father, of love and grace and mercy and compassion and kindness and gentleness to those around us. Father, we want to look more like your son. We want to look like the image of God himself, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that through revelation throughout this week, that every single person in this room day by day looks more like Jesus. Day by day looks more like Jesus, walking in the power and the might of the spirit, releasing the things of the flesh, stopping, stop to rely on the flesh and just follow the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that we would just be this week that we would not feel condemned if we did not quote-unquote do enough, but that we would just be sons and daughters, walking in the glory and love of our Father. So, Father, I pray you give us deeper revelation in this season before we start our study on the church and how to become what you have intended for us to be. Holy Spirit, I just pray that in every single person's heart right now, they receive revelation deeper, that they are completely forgiven, that they are now the walking, talking temples, and that we are the living letters of God to the world. Father, let us be beautiful in your sight. Let us walk beautifully amongst men, loving everyone because you first loved us. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. Um, Miss Valerie is running the food for Pastor Betty today, so y'all go receive from the outreach pantry. Also, men's ministry, we are breaking bread together tonight at 6, correct? Six o'clock, we're breaking bread together. Brother Lamont is making dinner for us. So if you can make it all men, teenagers, old men, young men, whoever, please come hang out. Love you guys.